Mic on. And now I present. Mic off. Mic on. The final meeting, February 7th, Winter Blind Camp morning meeting, concluding ep- final episode of the series. Enjoy. We want to welcome Audio starts now. 21 Winter Camp for Meeting for the Blind and Physically Challenged. This is the last meeting, February 7, and we had a little dust of snow last night, 10 degrees out there, pretty cold. Uh, but our, we got, we don't have all of our campers here this morning, but uh, we got most of them. And uh, this is the last meeting of the week. The Lord has really blessed us. We want to welcome you to the 2021 Winter Camp for Meeting for the Blind and Physically Challenged. This is the last meeting, February 7, and we had a little dust of snow last night, 10 degrees out there, pretty cold, uh, but our, we got, we don't have all of our campers here this morning, but uh, we got most of them, and uh, this is the last meeting of the week. The Lord has really blessed us through the week, and uh, with all the things we're learning, with the pastor teaching the Bible class. And also with the, the feast checks uh, putting on a healthy living seminar, you might want to know that uh, these things are on the YouTube, and you can go under the Holly Church website and and look at at the all of them at your leisure. Channel. YouTube channel. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> and and look it up uh, if you. If you have a trouble finding it, you can call the Holly Church or you can call Larry Hubble at 248-634-4379 and we can help you out. Um, okay, now I guess we'll have the song service and then uh, we'll go on from there. Let's turn in our hymnals to page 262, Sweet, Sweet Spirit. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I 
I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face, and I know they feel the presence of the Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. Okay, let's turn over to page 530. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when seas like sea billows roll, whatever. scroll 
The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Okay, let's turn back to page 412, our theme song. Look upon Jesus, sinless is he. Father, impute his life unto me. My life of scarlet, my sin and woe, covered with his life, whiter than snow. Covered with his life, whiter than snow. Fullness of his life, then shall I know. My life of scarlet, my sin and woe. Covered with his life. Whiter than snow. Amen. You know, the Lord has led this week. Amen. He really has. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do this. I, you know, it's the same God that led me back when I was 18 years old. I got the chance to go to Camp Asabo. It was right after I graduated from Adelphian Academy, and I got, was one of the people picked to go work in the kitchen for six weeks at Camp Asabo. Can you imagine six weeks at Camp Asabo? It was so much fun. Now, we worked hard. We did a lot of work in that kitchen, but we had some free time, too. And uh, one day, one of the girls wanted to go pick blueberries. So the rest of us, we made up our mind that we would do her work and, uh, and so she could go pick blueberries. And so she had these little tiny blueberries that she brought back and made a blueberry pie, wild, wild blueberries. Boy, mm, mm, is that ever good? Then we got to go swimming in our free time, and we got to go skiing, and that's where I learned how to water ski uh, that summer. Now, my brother, he was one of the ones that was picked to go, too. And my brother was so good at everything. He would follow the instructions, you know. They'd tell him to just hold his hands right out there straight, and he did right up the first time, never did it in his life before, went around the lake, 
but you think I could do that? <laughs> I wanted to pull that boat right back to me, you know, and it just did not work. Finally, I figured it out. I mean, they tried, they got me to do it. So then I was able to do it. But uh, I just wanted to pull that boat, you know. I didn't, didn't, want to follow, didn't want to follow the instructions. Well, then I got a chance to do some other things. I got a chance to take the canoe out by myself in the evening, you know, and I just loved to fish. And so <clears throat> I'd be out there, and I'd be out there fishing. And, you know, I probably should have been in the campfire, but I didn't, didn't do it. Uh, it wasn't so much on going to meetings in those days. And, uh, but you know what those campers did? They'd sing out across the lake, and they seen me out there fishing, and they'd sing, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. You know, that made an impression on my mind. It really did. Here I am out fishing for fish, and they're talking about fishing for men. And I, that just went over in my mind, you know. Well, then later on uh, in my life, uh, I got a chance to go to Florida. And I got a job in Florida Sanitarium and Hospital. And that's where my ministry really probably started. Because... I was taught when I prepared a person for surgery that you needed to have prayer with that person. And we did. And they appreciated it so much. And then after that, I came home after that first winter that I was there, and I worked in the Delphian Mill. And uh, that's where I met my wife, Myrna. And it's a funny thing, Elder Carl, back in those days. He, uh, he was the mill manager, and he hired me. And as soon as he hired me, he went over to the machine that Myrna was drilling holes in a big machine. He says, I just hired Larry Hubble. Now it's up to you to go get him. <laughs> And she didn't want to really do that. She'd had that in her mind, you know, earlier, you know, when she heard of She never met me before, you know. But, and uh, she, she had it in her mind that she would maybe like to meet a guy like me and marry him, you know, just from what hearsay was, you know. So that, anyway, she didn't, uh, she didn't know what she was in for. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> so anyway we've we've been together now 56 years so that's 57 it's going to be pretty quick yeah so that's uh praise the lord i mean he's the done the, he's the one that works it all out you know it's not not us it's only the power of god but then after i was married a while i just went to camp meeting and they were talking about witnessing, you know, and that you ought to go out there and, and uh, evangelize. And so I decided, I went to the call porter meetings and I decided to go into the literature evangelist work. 
Now, literature evangelists is what they do is they go door to door, talk to the people, share some books that they have for sale, and they encourage the fa family to have family worship and to take care of their health. They have health books and, and religious books and leave those books with them in the home and then go to the next place. And the Lord blessed with that for about 25 years. Then one of my bosses said to me, the, he had left the literature work and went to Christian record. And he decided he wanted to be a gospel minister and so he wanted to leave Christian record, but he didn't want to leave without, without uh, replacing himself. And so says, Larry, he says, you need to take my place. Well, I thought I'd be a literature evangelist the rest of my life. I thought, well, I'm not, not too interested, but I uh, did make an application. And after a long time, they called me up and they wanted to hire me. So then the Lord blessed in that, same God, same God that blessed me in the literature evangelist work, same God that blessed me at the hospital, uh, blessed in that. And uh, so I was able to work for them for 21 years. And uh, then, then they let all of their reps go five years ago, and the Michigan Conference picked, a, picked up this ministry, and we've been doing it ever since. So what the future is going to be, I don't know. But I do know this, that the same God is in charge for the future, that he was in the past. Amen. So let's just thank the Lord for what he's done through the week. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for guiding us in our lives. We thank you for this wonderful week that we've had. It's been a lot of work for the blind campers, but I think they've been blessed too. And we ask that they'll just now guide us through this final meeting. May there be someone that will make a decision for Jesus because of what they see. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Are you ever burdened with the load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will keep singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. 
Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. When you look at others with your hands and gold, think of Christ, his promise, you, his wealth untold. Count your many blessings, wealth will never buy your reward in heaven or a home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be disheartened, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to the journey's end. Count your blessings, aim them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. I want to thank uh, Pastor Fred for coming all week. And uh, we'll turn the rest of the time over to him. Oh, we're at the last end. That's hard. <laughs> we go home today. I'm going to miss this. We're looking at David today. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we seek your face. We want to know your will and your way. We thank you for the illustration of David, who was declared to be a man after your own heart. We want to be men and women after your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if I can do this without, without all four of these chairs filled. I need somebody to fill that chair. <laughs> thank you. Um, the um, story of David draws us very quickly to the Psalms particularly Psalm 23. So that's where we're going to start. And this is a, a paraphrase, my own paraphrase, using a lot of help from my sister-in-law, Terry Fivash. She um, went to the trouble of learning Hebrew so she could understand how to translate the Bible better. And uh, it, it has helped her, and it helped me too. The Lord is the one who shepherds me. All my needs are supplied. He makes me lie down in pastures of new fresh grass and leads me beside the waters of rest. He restores my soul. He guides me in the ruts of righteousness for his own glory. Even though I walk through a valley of dangerous darkness, I will not fear evil, for you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare before me a table fit for a king. In the presence of my harassers, you have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, prosperity and divine favor will chase after me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in God's house forever. We touched on the story of David last night as we were looking at, at Solomon. Um, yeah, Samuel, thank you for the help. <laughs> uh, so, so many names. <laughs> 
David bursts onto the scene in the story as a shepherd. He was a shepherd. And I believe that that early training impacted him the rest of his life. He learned how to lead God's people by learning how to lead sheep. We find that's an echo of Moses' experience. There is so much that we can learn from interacting with animals about how God wants us to interact with people. So uh, I mentioned last night that he may have been an illegitimate son. There's two evidences of that, and I touched on them. Psalm 51 verse 5 says he was conceived in sin, and then in, in uh, 1 Samuel we find his father not mentioning him, not showing him off to the preacher that asked to see the, his sons until he gets confronted with this. Now, I mention this not to degrade David. David is super high, tall figure throughout all Scripture. No, this doesn't degrade David, but it, what it does show is that God goes beyond the circumstances of your birth, of your race, or your family background, the tough or good times that you were experienced in your growing up. God accepts each one of us, and he treasures us. Well, <laughs> rejoice in that and thank him for it. Um, we're all damaged goods. <laughs> we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We're all damaged goods. So there's no room for any of us to be looking down on anybody else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and we just look over and see somebody else that needs the same Savior we need. That's where it's at. So once God specifically called David out, he progresses fast. You look at that story and, wow, how did you do all these things? Only by the grace of God. <laughs> we read the verse yesterday that upon his anointing, the Holy Spirit came into his life. God looks for times and ways to come close to us. I believe that with a baptism, like David had a couple days ago, that the Holy Spirit begins to use him in a more powerful way. I believe that when we're doing various aspects of church work, and when Rodney was, was ordained as a deacon, that empowered Holy Spirit to come into him in a stronger way and, and use him in service. God does this for us. David was used. <laughs> okay. Um, soon after his anointing, in the providence of God, Saul called him to the palace to play his harp, which may have been a liar, but it's a, it's, it was a simple uh, stringed instrument that he used to praise God. I believe he had been doing this out in the fields with the sheep, developing things like the 23rd Psalm. The whole book of Psalms, half of them are written by David and may have been written some of them while he was out herding sheep and some of them while he was <laughs> doing other things in his adventurous life. So he already had a, a wealth of music. And when God directed Saul to need some help, David was chosen by God, chosen by Saul too. But it was really a God thing that he was brought into the palace 
I believe God wanted David to be trained to be the king. He really didn't have enough background to be a king. He needed some training. And I mentioned Jonathan last night. I believe it was in the providence of God that Jonathan, crown prince Jonathan, befriended David and early recognized that God had called David for a special work. And Jonathan said, let me mentor you. And he just came alongside him and, and helped him. And <laughs> I think that both those men knew that there's things they didn't dare articulate, but they could know God has put us here for a purpose. And we have um, in the record where uh, Jonathan says, David, I know you're going to be the next king. And I just want you to promise that you'll take care of me and my family. And David, of course, promised that and fulfilled it in Jonathan's son Mephibosheth. So uh, that, that advancing to the palace was the first step in his journey to being trained and ready to be king. But in the next chapter, this would be, uh, yeah, that was 1623. In chapter 17, verse 45 of 1 Samuel, we're still in 1 Samuel, um, <laughs> in the providence of God, he has, he has spent some time in the palace, and now he has to run home and help his father for a while. While he's helping his father, his father says, David, I want you to run some supplies over to your brothers who are serving in Saul's army, and he runs the supplies over to his brothers. While he's there, he hears something that is very, very offensive to him. He hears this big, tall Philistine, he gets called a giant, and that he was a giant is, is, is not disputed. But uh, he, thinking he was big stuff, is calling God a weakling. Well, just because Goliath is a big, strong man does not give him any, any excuse to criticize God. And David, David's blood is boiling. He says, you can't say that about God. So. He got, he got pushed to the front. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's the worst he would do for putting a slur on that man. That he should defy the armies of the living God. And uh, verse 37, when, <laughs> when David is talking with Saul, saying to Saul, Saul says, but you're just a singer. You're just a singer. How can you go against a, a man who's a warrior? And, and David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of a lion and from the paw of a bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. <laughs> as, a, as a shepherd, he had to protect his flock. If wolves or bears or lions came against his flock, he would sling that sling stone at them and use whatever he needed to use in order to defend his flock. Of course he would. That's just, that's just the work of a shepherd. Jesus used that in, in he talk, when he talked about it in John chapter 10. David says, What's he? he's just a man. I'm doing this for God. It's, it's no contest. And Saul says, I don't understand it. And you remember the story, tried to dress him in his own armor. Well, Saul's armor was for an extra tall man, remember? David is, is now maybe 17 years old, a strapling boy. He hasn't got his growth yet. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty clear. He hasn't got his growth yet. That's in, 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 intimated in the story. So now he comes 
on his way to see Goliath, and Goliath sees him. Philistine said to David, come on here, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David says to the Philistine, verse 45, you come to me with a sword, you have a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. <laughs> so you're all well defended and you've got a lot of, of tools of your trade, the big, huge spear, <laughs> the sword, a big sword, and, a, and a, a shield, not only his own shield, but he's got a shield bearer with him. And, and you think you're hot stuff. <laughs> David says, this, do, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you. I will take your head off from you. And this day, I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines, not just you, but the whole group of Philistines, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God of heaven. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. What a statement of faith. What a man of God. Here is a man after God's own heart, a man who says, I will not listen to those people who want to say bad things about God without standing in God's defense for God's glory. He wasn't making any brags about himself. His brags were about his God. And, of course, you remember the story. One little stone went into the sling, and the sling went round and round. <laughs> One little stone went up in the air, and the giant came tumbling down. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, of course, this is all miraculous, but it's a God thing. Some people try to say that it was just happenstance that Goliath raised the visor of his face shield just at the right moment so that the, the stone hit him in the forehead. I don't know how it all came together. We're not given all those these details except that in the providence of God, when David slung his sling stone, and when I was a boy, I thought that a sling stone was about the size of a marble. Well, <laughs> I have learned better. It was more the size of a fist. <laughs> well... Getting hit in the head with something the size of the marble, well, that takes a miracle to make it knock him out. But getting hit in the head with something the size of a fist, a rock the size of a fist, yeah, there's no surprise. I saw somebody got, get knocked out with just one blow of a fist in the side of their face. So I know these, these things, yeah, that was enough. Confronting Goliath brought him to attention of Saul. You see... One of the traditions in that kind of an army was that you could have one man represent the whole army. And, of course, the natural person to represent the Israel army would be the king of Israel. And he was tall. He was strong. He was known to be a warrior. But he did not have confidence that God was with him. He had been told that God had left him because of his sin, and so he is afraid to confront Goliath. Now, you want my perspective on this? I think he could have gotten on his knees and said, God, this is about you. It's not about me. Give me the strength, and I will go forth in your strength. I think God is quick to forgive and to restore 
But Saul was not willing to humble himself before God and plead his need. Guys, that's what we have to do. We have to admit there's nothing that we can do or say to make ourselves worthy of God. All we can do is say, God, I know you have said you love me and you are providing for my needs. I'll give you what I have, which isn't anything, but I'll let you use me. Saul refused to do that. He wanted to think he was still worth something in his own self. David was quick to humble himself. And after he had killed Goliath and the armies of Israel, rushed against the armies of Philistia and wiped them. It was a bad slaughter. Uh, they still had to go back and do it again and again, but it was, this was a very thorough victory. Saul recognized that it was a God thing, and he said, David, I need to put you in charge of the army, and he did. David had some significant time as charge of the army, and of course, chapter 18 talks about that, and after he had done such a thorough winning of the battle, the... <laughs> He's coming back in victory, bringing his trophies of war, and the song gets composed. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Well, David slayed his tens of thousands as the soldier under Saul. So Saul gets the credit for all of David's tens of thousands. But Saul, in his jealousy, in his selfishness, in his refusal to acknowledge God as being about this whole thing, he starts saying, well, they credit me with thousands and David with tens of thousands. This isn't fair. And he got jealous of the commander of his army. Got messy. Got really messy. Um, and, of course, David presses on to become king. And we have to keep moving the story along. So let me ask you a question. What was the secret of David's prowess? I have three things that I'm going to mention. First of all, I suggest humility. He didn't get the big head. He didn't think, I am, I can. He thought, God is, God does. His humility. Um, most of the time, he didn't think very highly of himself. He thought he was the least of Jesse's children. And... He only confronted Goliath when God was mocked. It wasn't that he was challenged. It was God who was challenged. He says, we can't ignore this. As a reward for having slain Goliath, the promise was that he would become a son-in-law to the king. The king would give him one of his daughters to be his wife, which in many regards would put him in line for the throne since he's part of the royal family. Uh, he said, I'm not worthy of that. And when the king, getting jealous of David, gave this promised daughter to somebody else, he said, man, it's okay. I, I, I'm, I, I wasn't needing to get married right away anyway. <laughs> he was humble. He did not think too highly of himself. And, of course, Saul's other daughter fell in love with David, thought he was really good stuff. And uh, finally... Saul persuaded David to earn a bride price. We talked about that with, with Jacob, earning the bride price. And uh, the bride price was uh, 100 Philistine foreskins. And 
Philistines realized, I'm not going to give up my foreskin except that you kill me first. And so, and so uh, David went out and with his army, he had a group of soldiers with him, but they didn't only get 100 Philistine foreskins, they got 200 Philistine foreskins and uh, presented them as bride price. And so Saul had to give David his daughter. I think Saul expected David to die at the hands of the Philistines going after those foreskins. But uh, God's in charge of this. David's humility is probably a first lesson on why he was so successful and the secret for his serving of God. Second lesson that David learned was to wait for God to act. We've been talking about this all week. All these heroes of faith, they get in trouble when they run ahead of God. Let me help you, God. But things go well when they say, God, you've told me to do this, and I've gone as far as I know how. I'm, you're going to have to deal with it. And God says, nothing's too hard for me. I can make a 90-year-old woman pregnant. <laughs> God can do this. And how many times God shows himself able to work miracles, even with Hannah. That was a miracle that she had a child, Samuel. And then, precious, I didn't mention this last night, but she had plenty more children. She was a, a very blessed mother. David waited for God to act. Now, that builds on the issue of humility with a whole bucket load of patience. He waited until God invited, at least most of the time. We see this particularly when Absalom tried to take over the kingdom. David waited for God to res resolve this thing. A third lesson, a third uh, point of why David was able to be used so well by God is his quickness to repent. When we get confronted with sin, we have to choose whether we're going to justify ourselves or acknowledge our sin before God and repent. That's the, uh, a pivotal story in David's life. He was confronted regarding his fling with Uriah's wife Bathsheba. Second Samuel, we've moved from 1 Samuel now to 2 Samuel, chapter 12. I didn't put a marker in there, but I can find it. Starting with verse 16. Uh, that, that moves the story down farther than where I wanted to start. David gets confronted by Nathan the prophet. Nathan the prophet comes and tells David a very touching story about a man who stole his neighbor's sheep, killed her, and served her to a guest, and David, being a shepherd, loving the sheep, got very angry about this, and I can just see him. Nathan has told the story and told the story, and David finally stands up off from his throne, and he says, whoever did this thing, he needs to pay for for the one that he stole. And <laughs> Nathan raises his finger <laughs> to David and says, you're the one. David realizes, instantly he realizes, he wasn't talking about sheep, he was talking about wives. I've got a handful of wives, and I, I stole another man's wife and killed him. <laughs> David pronounced his own sentence, and he paid that price. 
even that child who was conceived in sin was worthy of protection. The baby that was born to Bathsheba and David from that sinful liaison, that baby, Nathan said, is going to die. It's part of that, that same confrontation story. David, verse 16, pleaded with God for the child. David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. He spent a week not eating anything, pleading with God. It's not the baby's fault. It's my sin, not the baby's sin. Please, Lord, save that child. He doesn't deserve to die for my sin. Well, Jesus didn't deserve to die for my sin either, but he did. <laughs> there's, there's some powerful lessons in this. David prays and prays. After a week, the baby dies, and the servants are saying to themselves, David has been so distraught while the baby's been sick, we're afraid to tell him that the baby's died, he might kill himself. <laughs> David sees them whispering, and he says, what's happened? Something's changed. Has the baby died? Yes. Oh, okay. He gets up, washes himself off after a week of fasting, laying before the Lord. He needs to take a bath. He washes himself. And he goes and sits down and says, I'm ready to eat now. And they say, what? What gives? How does this work, David? David says, um, have to turn the page. While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious and that the child may live? But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. He understood. He understood. And, and he moves on with life. Now, um, don't, don't miss that David's pronouncement was indeed fulfilled. He had said four for one. And he lost four of his sons. And I believe that you can trace it directly to this sin with Bathsheba. This first boy, I call him A, since all the others have names that start with an A. I'll give this one the, the letter A. This baby boy, conceived in incest, died at one week of age. That was the easiest one on David. I'm telling you, that was the easiest one on David. His oldest son, Amnon, had his own incestuous fling, this time with his sister Tamar. And uh, David felt that he couldn't deal with it, and so he ignored it. Well, David was Amnon's father. He was Tamar's father. He had a responsibility as father to Amnon to confront him and say, boy, this is not the way we do things. He had a responsibility as the father of Tamar to say, I am your defender, your protector. I'm going to deal with this, and there's plenty of ways it could have, should have been dealt with. It was not dealt with. David ignored it. So Tamar had a brother. His name was Absalom. He was just as good-looking as Tamar. And uh, he said, sis, I'll take care of it. You just be quiet. I'll, de I'll deal with this. It took him two years, but he dealt with it. He murdered his brother Amnon. I know. There's echoes of Cain and Abel. And, and maybe Absalom had a little more excuse than what Cain did, but it's still fratricide is the big name for it, killing of a brother. Well, 
Absalom, after having killed his brother, felt he needed to run away from home for a time, and he did. Finally, David brings him back home, but Absalom gets the big head and starts trying to take over the kingdom and actually has himself crowned as king. David flees, and the armies get ready to fight, and they do fight. David's army and Absalom's army. Absalom may have had a bigger army, but David had a better trained army, and it was really, since there's a God establishing this thing, it's really not about the size of the army. It's about the rightness, and uh, Absalom was killed. So that incestuous fling by Amnon got himself killed and then got his murderer killed. So those are easy to understand. Well, toward the end of David's life, this boy's name was Adonijah. Adonijah was in the line of who was born first. Adonijah was right up there close to the top. And Adonijah started getting his own big head saying, Daddy's getting old and sick. I, uh, I think I should take over. It's about time. Now, he knew that his father had indicated and God had indicated that someone else, Solomon, was to be the next king. But, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. He says, I'm going to give it a try. And David, hearing of that, made a very clear and strong pronouncement establishing Solomon as king. Solomon accepted his responsibility, and David said to Solomon, you're going to have to deal with Adonijah. So Adonijah's big head, I believe, has a, a strong echo from the foolishness of David with Bathsheba, and uh, Solomon acted very graciously. You read this story, you, you find Solomon said, Adonijah, as long as you behave yourself, everything will be cool. Well, Adonijah figured out a way that he thought he could advance his position as if he would be the next king. And Solomon said, no, you have, you have crossed the line and had him executed. Um, David was a man after God's own heart. What that indicates to me is that he let God into his life, allowing God to use him, and glorify God through him. That's all God wants to do with us. God only wants us to invite him into our heart and let him shine through us for his glory. <sighs> Jesus died for his friends. Well, David was one of his friends, and he wants us to be his friends. He died for you. He, he didn't wait for, we, for us to be his friends to die for us while we were yet Sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. So, I started this message with the 23rd Psalm. Let me give it to you again with a little bit more free paraphrase, but I think you'll appreciate it. The Lord is my shepherd. He gives me everything I need. He gives me a safe place to live, an abundance of good food, and clean water for all of my needs. His provision for my physical needs illustrates how generously he provides for the mental, emotional, social, and spiritual aspects of my life. He guides me in well-established ways of right living, so my life can be a continual song of praise to him. God even flaunts his abundant care for me. 
in the face of those who wish me harm. Well, there are times loved ones die, and I even know myself to be close to death from illness, accident, persecution. I live without fear, knowing my life is protected by His glory. I am filled with gratitude for the generous provision God gives me. God's goodness, kindness, care, and grace keep piling up around my life. I live as pampered as a house pet in His presence continually. Amen. Pastor Fred, I want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for coming this week. I have been I, very richly blessed. Well, we have too. We really thank you. And we want to thank the pastor's roommate, Luke Arthur, for coming and run, running the PA system and for Arlene helping him run the PA system. We really appreciate that. We uh, thank the blind campers that were able to come. And we thank, the, thank David uh, Schlanager for coming and helping us out this week. And we thank, the, thank David uh, uh, Shin for going and getting him. And then we thank Colin for coming and participating in this. We thank Paul, Paul Middleton for going and getting him. And then we thank uh, Rodney Ritchie for coming. And we thank uh, uh, Randy Noshinger for going and getting him. And we thank you for, thank uh, Jamie Stowe for coming. We really appreciate uh, Rich going and getting him uh, many of the days that we're here. And we wanna, wanna thank David Hubble uh, for leading the song service a lot of the times here. And Pam uh, Nielsen for coming in the evening and providing the spe special music. And I'm going to probably forget somebody, but I hope I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to thank Callie and Becky for coming when I didn't think they were going to make it for my baptism. Yes, that was wonderful, wasn't it? And we thank you. Yeah, the cooks. We really appreciate them coming. Uh, Cheryl and Ron Knapp came all the way from Petoskey to come down and cook for us. Wasn't that a blessing? It really was. Right, right. And, uh, and then uh, we really appreciate uh, the people that called in, or we called them, you know, and uh, uh, there was uh, Pat Page. Pat told all about how this winter camp for the blind hap started back in 1999. And uh, then Keith Elliott. We want to thank Keith and Helene for, for talking with us on the phone. And, uh, and then there was uh, Peggy Hansen. She called, or we called her. And she told some wonderful experiences of how Lord blessed blind camp. And, uh, and then last night, Howard uh, Myers. Yeah, Howard Myers. 
And uh, by the way, you said something about Harold. I made a mistake. I said it, I, I, I did say Harold, but it, but then I corrected myself right away. His name is Howard, uh, Howard Myers. But with the word Harold coming up, I want to recommend something. There's a, a fellow by the name of Percy Harold, and you can, he's on YouTube. What do you call it, Arlene? YouTube, uh, you can do a search, Percy Harold, and you can Google him too. Percy Harold will read the Sabbath school lessons every day of the week. He not only reads the Sabbath school lesson, but he reads all the text that are in there. It is really a blessing. So Google uh, Percy Harold. Uh, I think you'll be blessed. Uh, then another thing that I recommend to Google is Ellen White Audio. What this does is has two versions of the Bible first. It has alphabetically all of the, the books that Ellen White has wrote. It has the devotional books. And then after they're done with that, then they have the books of the early Adventist pioneers. It's such a blessing. Uh, I've learned so many things as I've listened. And you know, I, I've just listened to a little bit. There's, there's enough to keep you busy all your life in there. Uh, it, it's just wonderful. But then, uh, so I'm thankful for those two things that has been a blessing in my life, and I hope that they'll be a blessing in yours too. Uh, then let's see. Uh, oh, yes. We need to thank the Holly Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen. They, they opened this church up for us to do this virtual uh, camp meeting for the blind. And I understand when the board uh, met that it was unanimous. They wanted us here. Praise the Lord. Uh, no one <laughs> voted against it. That's amazing to me. And... Uh, and then they even put some special, they, they bought some special equipment, you know, so that this could all work out here the way it is working out here. So they spent some money on, on this uh, PA system so that this would work. So praise the Lord for them. Now, uh, you want to put the, the picture on the, on, the screen, on the screen? I want to thank... Uh, my better half, Myrna, for, uh, for helping out. She's been a real encouragement. I remember Larry Pitcher, the president of Christian Records Services, he told me how he appreciated what we were doing, you know, for the camps for the blind. And, but he says, you know what? He says, you wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for Myrna. Right. <laughs> And I didn't know if I believed it or not, but I'm believing it more and more all the time. <laughs> and then, then the, that's our daughter there with Myrna, on the, and that's Peggy, uh, Peggy Hubble. And, uh, and she's helped with this camp even though she's in Canada. Uh, I would call her up and I'd say, uh, Peggy, 
can you send me a picture of Peggy Hansen? And she'd go on the line and she'd find a picture of Peggy Hansen and she'd send it. I says, can you find a picture of, uh, of Pat Page? And so she, she'd go online, find a picture of Pat Page so we could have that up there. And then I asked her, uh, um, also Scott and Debbie. Uh, yeah, that's <coughs> right, we gotta thank Scott and Debbie uh, for calling in or we, talking to us and explaining how they got into the, the camps for the blind. But she found all these pictures out there and uh, sent them to me and then I sent them to Luke and Luke was able to put them right up there. It's just, just, just amazing how, how these smart young people, they just know how to do things. It's so wonderful. So anyway, uh, there's Marissa standing at the door. You want to come join me for a prayer? Might have to, you might have to come this way. Well, I want to thank you for, for encouraging us along the way, honey. No, you're welcome. That's and what your wife is supposed to be for. Well, maybe. <laughs> thank you. Well, let's have a closing prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us this week and throughout all of our lives. We thank you that David made his decision to be baptized. And we ask mm -hmm. that thou fill him with the Holy Spirit. Help him to tell his people in the spirit of the Lord so that they might accept it. If this, and we know that this is your will. So we thank you for answering our prayer. Just guide us now all as we go home that we might remember the things we've learned this week. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And thank you, Lord, for being with each camper as they go home. Thank you for sending the holy angels before them and with them. And thank you for no harm or accident befall them. And thank you for miracles in your work, for your work, amen. Amen. Breakfast will be served soon. Well, folks, this is all. Thank you for enjoying this episode. And if you like what you heard, uh, and take care and be blessed. Until next episode, bye-bye.